thou eyes of flesh, or dost thou see a man as a man sees? Are thy days as the days of a mortal, or thy years as a man's years, that thou shouldest seek for my guilt and search after my sin? According to thy knowledge, I am indeed not guilty, yet there is no deliverance from thy hand. Well, you ever felt this way? I loathe my own life. You know, and therefore he might as well just say what he's thinking. I'm going to give full vent to my complaint. I'm going to speak in the bitterness of my soul. I'm going to say to God, you know, don't condemn me and tell me why you're, you're contending with me. You know, he, he would like for God to at least let him know what the charges are. What's he guilty of? You know, what did he do? Um, and again, you see, the, the physical sufferings aren't the big test, but the spiritual implications of his affliction is what's really bothering him. And he asks questions like, you know, why do you reject the labor of your own hands? You know, I mean, God made him. Does God just get pleasure out of smashing what he made? You know, or, or is God, I mean, does he have eyes of flesh? Does he see as man sees? You know, when man tries to make judgments about things, does he always get it right? Do judges always make the right decisions? Or juries always make the right decisions? Well, sometimes maybe they don't because they've got ulterior motives or they're not just. But sometimes they don't make the right decisions because they don't see everything. They don't know everything. Sometimes their limited awareness of things causes them to make the wrong decision. Is God like that? Would God only be able to see like man sees to where sometimes he gets it wrong? I mean, clearly that's not the case. But it's like, why did God do this? You know, uh, or, or, you know, verses 5 and 6. I mean, is God so uh, limited... Uh, in lifespan that he just felt the pressure to urgently you know rush to judgment against Job I mean did, is that why did, did God feel like if he didn't get Job now maybe he wouldn't be able to I mean it's just like it doesn't make sense why would God do this he said I really like verse 7 he said according to your knowledge I'm not I'm indeed not guilty <laughs> Job contradicts himself all the time because, because it's, it's his image of who God is versus who God is in practice. You know, what he's seeing in God is not what he believes about God. I mean, he really believes God knows everything, and he believes God knows he's innocent. And yet God believes he's not. You know, it's, it's a contradiction. So he says here, you know I'm not guilty, but you still don't deliver me. It doesn't make sense. And it's, it's the conflict Job keeps having, you know, because he really believes... God knows everything, but then why does God think he's guilty? And he knows God thinks he's guilty because he's suffering. Comments? Where would Job and the people of this time get their view of God? Because it seems kind of close to what it could be. Um, but also very often that his relationship with them. So what would it, or would we even know? Well, I don't know because I don't even know when Job was lived. But, I mean, I can tell you places where we could get it. I mean, because people all along have thought this, you know, in later years. In fact, think about something like when the disciples in John 9 saw the man born blind. And that gave him some problems. He was born blind. So remember their question? Who sinned? Who sinned? I mean, 
Yeah. I mean, if you were born blind, did you sin, you know, pre-birth? Or did your parents sin? That what made you blind? I mean, who sinned to make a guy born blind? So what's their assumption? It was because of sin. Blindness is because of sin. Exactly. So they thought, if you're blind, somebody sinned. Presumably you, but if you're born blind, that's kind of weird. <laughs> you know? Uh, so, I mean, but why do people think that? Well, how many passages talk about you know, how you're blessed if you're righteous and you're punished if you're wicked. Think about Psalm 1. How blessed is the man who doesn't walk in the counsel of the wicked and all that. And cursed is the man he's like the leaf driven by the wind if he's, if he's wicked. I mean, lots of passages talk about the blessing on the righteous, the curse on the wicked. So you, people go from those passages and they assume all suffering is punishment. And, and that's an unfair assumption. I mean, for one thing, that there are other reasons for that. You know, those are not inflexible rules. And the blessing and curse is not limited to this life in those things. But Job didn't see all that. And his friends didn't. And a lot of times people today don't. I mean, you, you might even think about this. We're going to see this in a little bit, so I'm stealing my thunder. Or, or maybe next time. But I don't remember just what verse it was, but it's something I studied over in connection with this. But... How many times do you look at somebody who's suffering and deep down you think, wonder what they did? You know, even things like, what if somebody has bad health? Do you ever almost jump to the conclusion, well, they must be a bad person? You know, I wonder what God's punishing them for. Or they've had financial setbacks or whatever. I mean, I think it's easy. I mean, even things like this. You know what, and this is a little different principle, but I think it's worth mentioning along the same lines. I mean, how many times, if we were really honest, you see, you see a kid, you know, that grows up and turns bad, and your first thought is, I wonder what his parents did wrong. <laughs> you know, we are conditioned often to think about bad things being punishments or consequences. Now, that's not all ridiculous, because often it is. It's not like that never happens. So you can see why we make that connection. It certainly is true. There are a lot of times when kids go wrong that you can see a lot that the parents did wrong. And there's sometimes when people have financial reverses or bad health or whatever, you can see the sins that brought it on. It's just that you can't make that into this inflexible thing where you say, oh, you're suffering this, therefore you must have done that. I don't know, thoughts or comments? Well, how about 8 to 17? Your hands fashioned and made me altogether, and would you destroy me? Remember now that you have made me as clay, and you would turn me again, turn me into dust again. Did you not pour me out like milk and curdle me like cheese? Clothe me with skin and flesh, and knit me together with bones and sinews. You have granted me life and loving kindness, and your care has preserved my spirit. Yet these things you have concealed in your heart. I know that this is within you. If I sin, then you would take note of me, and would not acquit me of my guilt. If I am wicked, woe to me. And if I am righteous, I dare not lift up my head. I am sated with disgrace and conscience conscious of my misery. 
Should my head be lifted up, you would hunt me like a lion, and again you would show your power against me. You renew your witness against me, your witnesses against me, and increase your anger toward me. Hardship after hardship is with me. Well, what had God done in 8 through uh, 12? Made him. Made him, yeah. A very poetic description of the creation process. But bottom line is God made him, God preserved him, God gave him life. You know, God's done all this stuff. You know, why is Job talking about what all God did to make him? the point that like after all the effort you put into me are you just gonna destroy it all exactly i think that's precisely the point you know didn't make any sense to turn around and destroy what he made you know uncreation <laughs> but that's basically what this amounts to you know and so it's like why do this um and 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 you know job again you really see how he feels like he has no options. You know, he says in 14, If I sin, then you take note of me and will not acquit me of my guilt. If I am wicked, woe be to me. Boy, he hates to imagine what it would be like if he really was bad. <laughs> wonder what that would be. And if I am righteous, I dare not lift up my head. I'm sated with disgrace and conscious of my misery. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter. If he sins, if he's wicked, if he's righteous, it's all still punishment, destruction. You know, you'd hunt me like a lion in verse 16, kind of stalking Job. And uh, you renew your witnesses against me in 17, hardship after hardship. Job gets no relief. God just keeps, you know, this onslaught of fresh hardships coming against him. You know, he doesn't let him up for air. Um, so you see how Job's feeling. You know, it just feels overwhelming. Do you ever feel really, 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 really down? Do you ever feel really, 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 really overwhelmed? Probably no more down or overwhelmed than what Job felt. It is hard to imagine somebody being lower than this. You know, Dad always talked about being lower than a snake's belly in a wagon rut. Uh, well, this is probably, uh, this probably fits, you know. This is about as low as you can get. And it's helpful to know that, you know, God's people have sometimes felt that bad. Sometimes they have hurt that bad. Sometimes they've just felt that, that just hopeless. Uh, because, well, at least we know we're not the only ones. And we can see God caring for Job by the end of the story, even as he goes through this terrible valley. Comment. Could the witnesses in verse 17 be the three friends? <laughs> well, maybe, but I think they are his sufferings. Okay. I think the, all these calamities are the witnesses against him. So the calamities are saying, you're, you're bad, Joe. You're a sinner. You're, you're a bad. sinner. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's what the friends are saying, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> They are a part of the calamity, just in a different <laughs> sense. <laughs> With friends like those, who needs enemies? Um, and what is the point of the milk and cheese? Um, you know, I'm not real sure. It almost sounds like he poured Job out and then he kind of brought him together and, you know, made him 
solids to the liquid. I don't know. I'm trying to think how cheese is made. Churning, right? That's butter. That's butter, okay. Well, I don't know how cheese is made. No. Quick, Google. I get my butter and my cheese confused. And it's also interesting that the hunting him like a lion part, like that is what Satan is described as doing that's true. against us. And that's not what God does, but that's how <coughs> Job was thinking of it. Wouldn't that be horrible to think that's what God was doing to you? Yeah. Bad enough to think that's what Satan's doing, you know. <laughs> Other thoughts? Good comments. What does verse 13 mean? Well, I'm not sure. Um, you know, it, it seems like that he's saying, you know, that, that God has concealed his hatred for Job with all this care and creation and all that, or something along that line. You know, that God has really deep down been up to a sinister purpose all along, even when he's creepy. But I still think that verse is hard for me. I thought That's it was the opposite. That you've concealed this you've concealed love and all this love and care that I know you had for me. Okay. But same. Yeah, I, I wasn't <laughs> sure which way it went either. Whether it's you've concealed that you you once had this love and loving kindness and concern and and all of this and and. Please don't do that anymore. It says, I know it's within you. Like, I know you think that way in your heart. It uh, could be. I mean, that would certainly fit with some other things he says. That's not the way I've taken it. But I do think that's a hard verse. You can't really depend on the punctuation. Yeah, and translation. <laughs> you know, translation and poetry in the Old Testament is challenging. And you will sometimes read other translations and you'll think, wow, was that the same line? But it, it is somewhat interpretive. And Job particularly. You know, you, you, there's, some, there's some art to translating, you know, poetry in Job. Uh, he's got more archaic terms also, so there's more terms that are hard to know what they mean. So, so the whole book is written like a poem? Pretty much, yeah. There's a few narrative sections at the beginning and the end, and a little bit a couple times in the middle, but mostly it's poetry. Yeah. Uh, just amazing how you could speak in this kind of language. I mean, these guys are <laughs> eloquent. <laughs> They talk like that every single day. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. They had seven days to think it all up. <laughs> well, yeah, but some of it is responding to what the previous guy said. I don't know. Maybe if you were, if you were used to always talking poetically, maybe it would come to you. Uh, they know. did their debate prep. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Yes. All right. How about eighteen to twenty-two? Why then have you brought me out of the womb? Would I that I have died and have one eye? Would that I had died and no eye had seen me? I should have been as though I had not been carried from womb to tomb. Would he had not let my few days alone? Withdraw me from that I may have a little cheer before I go and I shall not return to the land of darkness and deep shadow. The land of utter gloom is as darkness itself of deep shadow without order, and which shines the, as the darkness. Well, in one way, what did he wish in 18 and 19? Never been born. Yeah, or that he'd been born dead, you know, still born. 
Uh, I don't think this is a pun or a whatever in the original, but it works well for us, carried from womb to tomb. With gloom. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, uh, but that's what he wishes. I mean, if he'd just never, ever seen the light of day, then he would never have had to go through all this. Maybe you sometimes wished you weren't even alive. I mean, I certainly think that is a something that people, we think sometimes. I mean, maybe not every single person does, but but I think it's a fairly common thing for somebody to, to come to the point of feeling like, man, I wish I had never been born. I wish I just never existed. And, uh, you know, again, I think it's helpful to realize if we feel things like that, we're not the only ones that have ever felt that, you know. And then in verse 20, this is probably one of the most pitiful, you know, pleas in the book. Would he not let my few days alone Withdraw from me that I may have a little cheer before I go, and I shall not return to the land of darkness and deep gloom, deep shadow. He's saying, you know, could you give me, could you just let off for a few days before I die? Give me a few moments of peace before I go to the grave, to the, to the darkness and gloom. That's kind of sad. I mean, you know, wow. He's begging God, you know, please spare me just a little bit. Can I, can I catch my breath before I die? hard not to feel for Job, even when he's saying some things that maybe he shouldn't. It's hard not to, you know, wow, he is hurting. Thoughts? It's kind of interesting that he thinks that having God withdraw from him will allow him to have a little bit of cheer. Yes, I know. <laughs> Normally you want God to pay attention to you. Here he wants God not to. And that, that's true throughout the, his speeches. He'll say things like that often. Well, we have not heard yet from Zophar. After you have, you may appreciate the fact that you hadn't until now. Chapter 11, verses 1 to 6. Then so far the name of thy answered. Shall a multitude of words go unanswered, and a talkative man be acquitted? Shall your boasts silence men, and shall you scoff and none rebuke? For you have said, My teaching is pure, and I am innocent in your eyes. But would that God might speak and open his mouth.